Welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're once again joined by Stuart Marshall. I think it's third time lucky for Stu on the Dev Ready Podcast. Uh, he's a SaaS and commercial software advisor. Um, and we actually caught up last week uh, on the off chance. I was in Sydney and he was out grabbing, get it, buying a pair of pants, I think he were. Yes, buying a pair of pants with <laughs> some lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Had a really Fun good lunch. conversation around what value and um, what people are really looking for when they look to solve problems with tech. So I thought, we'd, why not pick up the conversation on that and dig into that a little bit more? Stu, what have you been up to? Uh, I, I'm I'm writing another book. Hmm. Uh, this one currently called Kick Some Sass. Kick Some Sass, I like it. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a working uh, subtitle of uh, a leadership guide to yeah, yeah. global impact at scale or something like that, I don't know. Um, uh, try, trying to align my my interests in software and all things technological with actually doing some good in the world and other such things. Um, no idea where that's going, but uh, that's that's the start point for the next few years. Um, yes. We'll see where that leads. The, mm-hmm. the last few years have been pretty interesting, so um, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can carry on. Yeah, it has been an interesting time for all of us, hasn't it? Um, tech's obviously evolving and enabling us to work and continue to work, especially from home these days and technology like this exists. It's up to record a podcast, which is pretty cool, but um, yeah, it's always changing. Well, I I was writing this the other day that um, it's odd when we think that (laughs) at the beginning of 2020, the idea that we would work from home, work remotely and have these widely distributed businesses, it, it was a thing. And, and people did it, but most didn't. Most weren't interested in it. And I was bumbling around trying to get people to up their tech and, and get this kind of idea going and evolve and use the greatest and latest and greatest things that they could. Uh, and everybody's going, yeah, no, 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 she'll be right, mate. Yeah. yeah no worries. It's all good. Uh, and then uh, suddenly the doors got closed. <laughs> more, more done for digital transformation in that time in, what, six months than an army of you and I could have done in our life. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think it was just in, Mar- just in March. <laughs> yeah, probably just, just in March of 2020. <laughs> if you told us it was... A bunch of highly frazzled tech guys trying to, desperately yeah. trying to roll out uh, yeah, new networks and God knows yes. what. If you told us in a, a February that we wouldn't have an office, and we'd be permanently from home. We all would have said no. Not going to happen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, went, I, I don't want to go back to an office. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. funny in retrospect, right? It was strange how it happened. A pretty scary time. It was. Uh, it, <laughs> I know uh, a number of number of my sort of entrepreneurial friends went from uh, life's great, coming in through the new year, books are full, money's mm-hmm. going to be coming in, world's wonderful, to bang. Uh, Right, so we've got no money then. Shit. Yeah. Um, ah, what do we do? Mm. Yeah, lots of evolving business models. Uh, and you can tell. I mean, you know that um, the world's moving on because even lawyers now sign documents remotely. Yes, lawyers' accountants have all changed the way they operate, which is brilliant to see. Yeah. Docu- sign. Yeah. If there was a group who were um, uh, just content with where they were in the status quo, it was the legal legal teams mm-hmm. but yeah even even they do it now so yeah well <laughs> the world's moved on i was just talking to a lawyer about how he's digitizing contracts and uh all that space so yes it, 
it is evolving and very quickly. So I think every industry has mm. been impacted. And I think um, if we reflect, um, being in an office is, I think there's, there's a massive benefit from a people culture perspective, um, but we can all operate at home. That's, that's a given. <laughs> so, they're interesting. I had some very interesting calls in the early yeah. days of COVID. Mm. At, um, you, you remember when all of the uh, the toilet roll was disappearing? People were eating it yeah. or something. I don't know. But yeah. whatever was going on. And there was uh, I, I spoke with a guy in the US uh, and he was in his closet, literally in his Working closet, in his closet. bedroom. And behind him was a rack with all his wife's blouses and dresses <laughs> hanging up. And on top were probably about 200 toilet rolls. <laughs> that's the guy he's got crazy I think we had a couple of people interview from their closet because it was the quietest room in the house <laughs> yeah it's amazing um, I went to buy I went to buy a chair from Office Works, and there weren't any there were no chairs no desks nothing you know people had such a desire to suddenly build an office for themselves at home mm. that uh, you know you couldn't buy a chair for love and the money yeah yeah, I had that problem with a printer. <laughs> I went to about seven different stores looking for a printer. No, I've given up on printers. I don't buy them anymore. Hmm. I, I print so little, I just drive up to Office Works and get it done there. No, it's, it's for my kids at the moment, just colour machines. <laughs> yeah, when they were when they're doing school from home, it was a bit of a challenge. Oh, let's let's dig in a bit, Stu. Um, value. Value around tech, around software, around business model transformation, all this space. It's one of the areas that we sort of honed in on last week. I'm talking about how we might deliver better value. And I think we came to the the point of, obviously, everyone talks about the, there's a problem to solve, and that's the way people sort of frame these things in this space. Um, what problem are you solving? Whose problem is it? Uh, and, and that's great. But everybody with a CRM is solving the same problems, problems. and solving the same <laughs> Uh, you know, the same for the same people, or, or or they're niching on a particular vertical. Uh, so the 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 way we can get a new perspective on what we do is to really clearly identify the value that we deliver. Uh, and some of those are really obvious. Yeah, you know, I mean, we you know everybody talks about efficiency and productivity and other such things. But when when you start digging, um, I've got a list of about thirty that I've just put in a new book of ways in which software can and technology can add greater value and things like um, greater team cohesion, you know, great, improved morale, uh, better quality of team. And I, I was telling you the chicken story, I think, if I remember rightly on Thursday. Yeah, let's repeat the chicken story because I actually enjoyed <laughs> okay, the chicken okay, story. Chicken story. <laughs> yeah, get it. Um, I, I did this at, uh, yeah. presented this at the ICC uh, a few months ago, um, presenting about this sort of notion of value in business uh, and, and, and how having good technology keeps your team on side. Uh, and the analogy I use is chickens. Uh, and for, for simplicity, there's, there's two types of chickens that ply their trade uh, of laying eggs. There are the, the outdoor free-range chickens who go out and about and they scratch around the yard and they have a great time and they do chickeny things, whatever chickens do. And they peck around at the ground and pick up bugs and bits of grit. And, and yeah, I mean, life, life's good being a chicken, I guess. Um, uh, and, and at the end of the day, or at some point during their, their day, they lay an egg and that's, that's their day's work. Now, there are other chickens that are um, sit inside in little crates uh, and don't have quite such a good time. They sit there and you know, they look out like a bit like the guy in the Matrix. 
know, and he, he looks like they've got yeah, great big, you know, chickens in every direction, it's right? Battery. Uh, yeah, battery hands are having a, not the best of lives, all things considered. But they go about their day's work and they lay an egg. Now, they might pull a few feathers out, get a bit annoyed and not have as long a life and not have as good a time, but they still lay an egg. Now, the, what's notable about chickens is they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the chicken, you know, sucks to be a chicken, right? Um, team members do. So if we're giving our team members a poor environment and poor tools to work with, then they're not going to stick around. They're going to leave. They're going to go and find somewhere better to do to ply their trade. And of course, the the reality of it is that it's the good people that leave, because mm. the good people find it easier to get a new job. Mm -hmm. So we end up in this situation where the good people go. We're left with the not so good, um, and they're not as happy because they can't find a new job. They've still got rubbish tools to use. So morale drops. The quality of the team drops. Productivity is going to drop. Well, happy workers are twelve percent more if productive or something like that. According to Warwick University, I think that is the number. Uh, and, and this is this is this sort of fundamental notion about value for us. And we and we can continue that that every time somebody leaves, if we have to replace a team member, depending on who you ask, is somewhere between one hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty percent of remuneration <laughs> to replace someone. So it's a very expensive business losing people. So the, the, there's great value then from any software platform if we can say that by putting good tools in place, we're saving recruitment costs, we're saving replacement costs, we're improving the quality of the team, and so on. So it, it, it's a it's a very valuable notion. It, there's a lot in that, and the story is really good because just if you frame it down, um, we're talking to people who are building technology, but in effect, they may be a part of the solution for employees, for business operation, for whatever it might be, there's an end result. And when we get to that point, someone's going to buy our technology for a reason of it's going to deliver value um, or it's going to create a, a change or it's going to make their lives better, um, whatever it might be, but there's going to be a perspective mm -hmm. of that happening. So um, yeah, there's a, it's quite an interesting take on on the the uh, chicken story. I think it's, there's a lot in that for just people who are employing people um, who have team members. I think think about that um, and how you uh, are looking after your people. But yeah, then when it gets to people who are delivering solutions to help people do better, make better, um, we generally make decisions on value. Um, we are always looking for a, a better tomorrow a better way of doing things um, or a better scenarios. There's always a challenge that's going on in every business. I don't think there's any business that's not, doesn't have a challenge in front of them or around them. Um, there's no just perfect business ticking along. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. imagine the day you walk into work as the boss yeah. and, and say, well, yeah, Yep. That's it then. I've got <laughs> I've hit that sweet spot. Yeah. I've got just the right amount of technology, yeah. just the right amount of people. They're all yeah. trained. Everything's absolutely Humming. slick. Mm. I should sell right now. Yes. Sell the lot, take the money, walk yes. out the door because, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the only way is down, right? <laughs> it's already too late once you've made the decision. Yeah. <laughs> it's changed. I'm sure you guys have exactly the same experience. Right? Yeah. You, know, you, you yeah. look at the development team and go, yes. that's it now. They're yeah. good now. Perfect. Everything's done. Yeah. Everything's perfect. Everything's swimming. And you might have those moments in time in business where every, there is a nice little hum, but that does not there forever. <laughs> As it evolves and changes, it might be there for a moment in time. Yes. Yeah, they're generally fleeting. 
It's quite quite disappointing, really, isn't it? But uh, you know, that's yeah. life. It is life. But it is. I mean, this when when we start looking at value, the the numbers add up extraordinarily. I mean, you know, so the remuneration part, the cost of replacement is one, but it, you know, the cost of saving saving a wage, which in Australia is a hundred thousand dollars a pop, give or take. You now, the average employee is what eighty thousand a year, I think, is the. Um, something like that. by the time you annualize it and check up check on workers comp and all the other bits and bobs it, it comes out somewhere over a hundred thousand but you know for, for easy maths a hundred thousand a time so we we get to articulate value as a vendor um, if we if we start looking at these these big numbers then the value of the platforms we build should demand a bigger price I mean, this is so. I was just writing this, just writing through pricing this morning as part of the book, and it, it occurs to me that so many of vendors out there are just not charging the right amount of money, and they do silly things, right? They look at what the competition's charging and go, "Well, that must be the right price." Mm -hmm. And yes. and I can't think of a greater way to lose money than to believe what anybody else has said, because I mean, how how do, how do we know that the other guy, you know, so. Let, let, I know, let's, let's take. Let's say I build another CRM. You know, and I'll join the throng of the thousands, uh, and I look at other CRMs and I say, "Well, these ones are sixty dollars a month. Well, that must be the right price." And it's like, "Well, I don't know. Is it? Can you survive on those customers at sixty thousand, sixty dollars a month, mm -hmm. or do you actually need to charge two hundred dollars a month because this is a really good CRM and it delivers massive value? If it delivers the value, then we should be able to charge for it." But of course, what yeah. we do is yeah. we look at somebody else and we go, "Oh well, yes, I'm not going to get any business because they're only sixty dollars a piece." Yeah, it's easy to look at what's on the market. I think um, most people we speak to do that. What's some other ways you might think about that? Because calculating value and communicating can be a little bit of a challenge for people, and they don't get their head around it. How do you frame it, Stu? What would you think about when you're looking at or actually calculating the value we are delivering as a platform, or even potential to deliver? Because there's no guarantees in delivering. It's. I mean, it is difficult, um, mm. and everybody has to. Everybody yeah. has to form their own narrative. What What's important is that they understand what's going on underneath. And and look, even in the sixty dollar an hour, sixty dollar a piece sort of perspective, the, there's a reality of that, which is actually we have to get leads. We have to get people look, and and if people are going to rule us out based on price straight away, then then perhaps we need to get come up with some kind of ascending model where we can get people in at a, a cheaper price. But the, the reality of it is, of course, that if we really look, take our time to sort of take a step back and look at what a platform does and the value that it delivers, then it'll be quite clear. And, and it, it's interesting, um, one of the, the lessons that have, that's come to me in the last 12 months is that um, customers generally know the value. The, the, I mean, there are there are some who don't clearly, but a great many businesses, particularly if we're in B two B, they will already have identified the potential savings that they've got if they implement a solution. I mean, they're they're not just randomly buying software, um, and and we see this with uh, paid feature requests, for example, when you know depending depending on the platform that you have, you may, you may be able to say to some of your customers, well, if you want these new things, that's fine. Uh, if you pay them, pay us for them, then we'll do them as a priority, which is great. And one of the uh, <laughs> one of those sort of pragmatic ideas that's um, come forward in the last while is this idea that we would say, well, you know, how much is it going to cost? 
uh, and some project manager will you know, lick his fingers, stick it in the air, and go, that's, uh, that's uh, yeah, 15 hours of work. Now, I think, I think in, in doing it for money, I think I said that my, my general rule of thumb for estimation was to look at it, think of a number and go, yeah, it's about that, and then double it and add some more for safety. That's a, that's a good way of project planning for me. Um, it's wrong. It's always wrong, but, you know, I'm going to be wrong. I might as well be wrong big. The pragmatic approach to this, of course, is is when we're saying, well, you know, what's it going to cost? We say it's going to take 100 hours and I'm going to charge you $500 an hour, let's say. So it's, it's a $50,000 job to implement this feature. If a customer's asking for that, they've already identified that it's $50,000 worth of value. Mm-hmm. And then some. Well, they will have thought this is hundreds of thousands, two hundred, three, whatever it might, millions of dollars of value. In which case, if we're only charging fifty thousand, we should charge a hundred thousand. Mm. You're not charging enough because they've already <laughs> identified the value, and a hundred thousand is <laughs> just as good a value to them as fifty thousand. It's you know, it's rats and mice money in the, in the B two B space. So it, we have to be really careful not to undersell ourselves, uh, and it, and it's a common problem because we do. We don't. We don't under. We don't value our own value. We don't estimate it properly. I think the challenge in tech is we're similar to the um, clock on, clock off mentality, where we generally tech businesses charge by the hour, um, and then they estimate something, and this is what it's going to take to do, and this is what rate we charge, and that's what we're going to charge for it. Um, if you're developing anything custom from a solution perspective, um, so I think getting out of that can be a little bit challenging if you've done that forever um, and actually been in that space forever just doing consulting type work and all of a sudden we charge X amount per hour, um, putting a value on terms of a dollar figure on it from a value perspective. It's a it's a different thinking and not many people do it. They all look at, all right, how do I look at an example? We're working with a group at the moment, um, won't name names, but they want to get into a market. So they undercut the market by 200%. And that is crazy, given the operational um, uh, value that they're adding and the actual savings they will create for the businesses, not just in the technology, but also in the efficiencies. So it's yeah, interesting the way people think. Just need to get my product out there, but then you shoot yourself in the foot a little bit as well. Well, well, yeah. I mean, look, undercutting is the race to the bottom, right? Mm. And the, the, there's only ever one winner in the race to the yeah. bottom, which is the guy who gets your customers for free when you yes. when you go out of business. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the race to the bottom is something we should try to avoid. And and I, I've I've talked on here before about this about the five dollar app, which is yep. has just ruined ruined it for everybody mm. because the man in the street now thinks you know now equates the app that he gets to deal with his you know, whichever retailer he's dealing with, that that's mm-hmm. free. Yes. Or he paid five dollars for some little utility, mm. and he probably uses the utility in the app far more than he does his complex SaaS platform. And he only uses a tiny little bit of the complex SaaS platform, so his perspective on reality is just completely flawed. So it, it is, it, you know, it's it's incumbent on we clever people. Oh, I hope I'm clever people. Uh, we clever people in the tech industry to act, to really dig deep on this and actually go and work out some numbers for people and help them really understand the value that's getting delivered. And particularly, and B2C space, this is really important because otherwise we just end up with this mass market mentality and that that's, um, yeah. There's, there's a reason a great many SaaS businesses don't survive longer than three years. Yeah, yeah I think... Uh, um... 
I'm most, like I think what you said there, people don't spend the time to dig in and understand what the real value is to the end consumer and what the potential value of their product could be. Um, yeah, we look at, I think, we'll look at the competition and that's where you start your pricing model from. Um, that's what I hear all the time and we've done it in the past and that's where you would start. But yeah, I, I get your point on, let's just understand what we're doing for the customer first and that's how we sell it and communicate it. You need to use that as like a benchmark, yeah. though, just to see what everyone else is yeah. doing to know what sort of angle you need to spin on your value proposition as you well. You know, it's Not about just, the comms. Oh, that's so we'll drop two dollars cheaper. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's how you communicate the value prop. Yeah, like I think the CRM you said charging sixty dollars a month, great, but what does that CRM do for the business, and how much money does it actually create for the business? That's probably yeah, where I mean, you want to spend a, your there's time. A, there's a couple of things going on in this as well, which is. Uh, the, we have a tendency in the tech world because of how we build platform in the first place to co to go out and go. We have these features. Like, awesome! Yeah, I'm a CRM. Are you a CRM? Yeah. Well, can you do CRM things? You bet your life I can. Can you do? Yeah, I can too. Awesome. So we're now right. So that that's our that's our model, right? We are A versus B. We are exactly the same thing. We have 10% overlap, where or 10% where we're different, and 90% overlap. Um, and and yet we'll talk about the 90%. And both companies will talk yeah, about that. Well, you know what? <laughs> what possible outcome is there going to be? And uh, yeah, I'm uh, sure every CRM has those feature pages. And then how we compare to yeah. the three main ones? We, we've got we've got these other features. Well, great. Yeah, you know, I, I I bought a new car recently. I, was, I said this to you on Thursday, Andy. I think, um, you know, I bought a new car recently. It's got four wheels, steering wheel, windscreen. It's got some seats, seat belts, some kind of noise sound system. Yeah, you know? uh, the car I replaced got all of those as well. I'm not sure why I bought a new car now. Yeah, and and this this is <laughs> this this sort of simple perspective on it, isn't it? That when we we if all we're doing is looking at features. And saying these features are worth this price per month, then we're immediately cheapening our own product. And then if we say, well, I'll undercut these guys because I want market share, then I make the whole thing even cheaper. So we kind of we kind of ruin it for everybody else as well. You know, we're like, we're like the, you know, the shit kid at the party. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it turns up makes it, it ruins it for everybody else by giving away for free. Yeah, that is that is um, that happens. It does happen in the space uh, where you have products that come in and then they keep undercutting and then people expect cheaper. Um, and I think the findable app story makes perfect sense. Um, people expect everything for free and everything to work for free um, or to work for very little, and they're getting millions of dollars of technology and they don't really get the, the understanding of that behind what's behind this actual technology that's being put in front of me. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the millions of dollars thing is a, is a really crucial point, right? So one, one of my, my standard stories on this is this idea, you say to somebody, well, you know, we've got this platform, we'd love to sell it to you. Um, it's a million dollars. And they go, oh, a million dollars, a lot of money. So yeah, you buy it outright, million dollars today. That's it. Ooh, yeah. Well, somebody's just taking the car to the garage. Yeah, it's like going, you've got the guy going, yeah, yeah, it's going, yeah. And you sit there and you go, well, hang on a minute, million dollars, big money, but 
remember that employee that's a hundred thousand dollars a pop yes if you had one of those for the next 10 years there's your million dollars would you get the same value as the software platform and of course the answer is invariably no of course you wouldn't you know you might, well how many employees would it take would it take three four five ten twenty fifty uh, and of course very quickly you get the idea that it might replace might be as good as 10 people in which case your one million dollar spend has got a 10 million dollar value mm. And when when you start putting it in 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 big fat numbers like that, then it's uh, it, it makes uh, it makes a very big difference to the sales model and the sales questions that you ask. Uh, it doesn't work all the time though. Incidentally, I, I presented this as a notion at um, UNSW. Uh, no, it was Sydney University to the um, uh, forget which group it was now, uh, but uh, young business manager types, uh, young up and coming professionals, and so on. Uh, Masters of Management was the course, and um, they've got young young people from all over the world are in the course. Yeah, brilliant place, fantastic time. Uh, and I, I mentioned this, and <laughs> a very nice Indian young gentleman put his hand up and he said, "Doesn't always work." He said, "When my dad, with his factory in India, wants to move some stuff, he doesn't send a forklift. He just puts three guys on the back of the truck." <laughs> So yeah, we, yeah. The, this this notion that wages are this big save isn't always the case. Mm. It doesn't always the depends model doesn't always work. Where you yeah. are, yeah, it depends on the country mm -hmm. you're in as well and what the cost and mm -hmm. everything are. But having yeah, like that SASAP, it it can you can undercut the market depending on where you're making your money. You're necessarily going to make it from the revenues if you've got a different business model where you can drive the and change the whole market. Uh, and this is yeah, and and this is why it's really important that when if we're delivering a SaaS platform, and particularly in the B2B space, that we start looking at the services we can wrap around the technology and turning rather than just a straight SaaS play into a service model where I'm going to sell you the platform, it's going to deliver the functionality. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring some people in who are going to embed it properly in your business. We'll get some training. We'll have some evangelists on site. Yeah, and how we do these implementation models, and they can be far more lucrative than the platform itself. Yeah. So, as an example, like you think about Uber, all right, they're probably I think it took them like ten or twelve years to get actually become profitable, and they spent billions of dollars building the infrastructure. If they just copied the taxi model, they would have been profitable from the start because they're just issuing cars to go and get people. But the infrastructure, the app that you just use for free that does everything, is the value to the business. But they don't charge for it. Nope. And it took so long for the taxis to try and catch up and make their own apps to do anything similar. Because it, the interesting thing with Uber is, is that the app isn't as brilliant as the app is. It's, I mean, it's a job scheduling, scheduling thing, right? I mean, that's largely what it yeah. does. So um, the, the great value for Uber is that it improves the lives of the people involved. Mm -hmm. This is where mm -hmm. the value, this is really where the value of Uber comes from is because, you know, taxi drivers don't have people thrown up in the back uh, they don't get ripped off. People don't do a runner. Uh, similarly, yeah. people getting in know who the driver is. You know, it's all paid. Their credit card isn't going to get ripped off. And you know, it, it, it's a, it's a great improvement for all the humans involved. The technology, the fact that you can stand on the side of the street and watch a little car on the map, yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool. And I like that. <laughs> but, but I don't <laughs> think people realise the billions of dollars that have gone into that infrastructure, mm. and they're like pioneering brand new tech that hasn't been done before at scale that they're doing. Mm -hmm. I find it quite fascinating at the, yeah, frontier. the way we talk about Uber today when it sort of first came out 
I'm not going to get in the back of a car for stranger, but as it's evolved now, it's and actually <laughs> now it's not <laughs> nothing stranger than some of the cab drivers. Yeah, no, I don't know, but as it sort of came out, it just did. It's the same. You're not going to go on holiday in someone else's some house. Re- re- yeah, correct. There's yeah, yeah, I mean, there. Why would you? Yes. Why would you go on holiday in somebody else's home? I mean, they yeah. they they must live in an awful environment when they're there, because yeah. you know people do, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Again, but this is back to this idea that if we get past the technology itself and actually just look at the value and what we're really delivering, I'm 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 selling you my home for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come and live in my yeah. home. I mm. won't be there. You can you know you can pay me a few hundred dollars to bugger off, or you know you can come and live in a B and B and I'll just give you one room to stay in. Mm. So you know it, it, mm-hmm. the value is this is. It is a lot more um, often financial, but often emotional as well. Mm-hmm. And and that, that's a really crucial point that we have to get into, you know, the idea that somebody may actually, it may tug at somebody's heartstrings if we offer the right right outcome to them. You need to understand what you're providing and be able to communicate that out. Got to dig deep. So then your customers can understand. If you can't communicate it, then it's not going to go anywhere. Then you are just solely communicating. Uh, Compared features competing on price. Features are selling drill bits. Hmm. I mean, you know the, the 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 classic drill bit analogy. They said people don't buy a drill bit; they buy uh, they buy the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you, you, you go off to Bunnings yeah. and you you get to come back with the drill bit. So you put a hole in the wall because you wanted to put a hole. That's why you bought the drill bit. But of course, if if we if we're going to extend the idea properly, then we didn't actually buy the drill bit to put a hole in. What we did is we. Uh, let, let's put it in a, a classic 2.4 children model uh, where hubby says to the wife, hey, would you like me to put up a shelf in the lounge so we can put our pictures on it? Uh, and wifey says, yeah, that'd be great. That's why he bought the drill bit. He bought the drill bit so he could put up the shelf to get kudos from his wife. So we, we extend this analogy much, much further and suddenly we're into the emotional side of things where somebody has done something because there is a, a greater good beyond the physical act of drilling a hole. Um, that's when we focus on what the outcome is, right? What uh, What's the end benefit of the product? Where people don't buy a CRM, they buy a solution they believe is going to help them get more sales or more value for their customers or more conversations or tracking of that or lost data. What are they really buying it for? Yeah, CRMs are interesting. So there's, I forget, there's something like between five and eight dollars. Yeah. If you use a CRM effectively, mm. for every dollar that you invest, you get something like five to eight dollars back. And I think the key thing you just said, effectively, because <laughs> a lot of people buy tech and don't use it very effectively. <laughs> well, implementation is everything, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's mm. uh, if we take technology back to my usual example of a mm-hmm. digging stick. Yes. Yeah, the earliest of human technologies, which is a piece of wood with a fire hardened end for digging up roots. You know, if I turn it around and try and use the fat end, I don't get any I get you know, I don't get fed quite as well. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we have to use the tool the way it's designed to be used. I was I was gonna say something else. I forgot what it was now, but uh, yeah it, it's um no, no, it's gone. I forgot what I was going to say. So let's dig in. Why, why are you writing a new book? Okay, so um, I started it uh, end of 2020, in the middle of COVID. Okay. 
because nobody was spending money on people like me. Got it. <laughs> Much to my so, annoyance. Something productive to do then. <laughs> Mid-November, and it was the run-up to Christmas, and I was thinking, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to generate any revenue this time of year. I'm not going to do any business. I might just as well use the time productively. And I, you know, thought, well, okay, I'll sit down and start writing. And so I, I, when I wrote doing it, it was really the book I could write at the time. I wanted to write a book. Um, and so I wrote about everything I, I knew, which was this wider notion, I suppose, of the IT industry, the value of technology and, and this kind of idea. Uh, and then over the, the the following years, my you know my focus became sharper on software uh, and SaaS specifically, and so I thought, well, okay, well, if I'm going to write the next book, then it then I need to to sharpen that focus and make it about software. Uh, and what's interesting is that since I started it, so because I put it down for from sort of twenty end of twenty twenty, I put it down for a, a year and a bit while I was out and about doing other things. And I've come back to it, and my opinion and knowledge and experience has evolved more since I started. So I've actually gone back and reworked some of it. And, and what I'm now trying to angle into it is the idea of using technology and this, this massive connectivity we have with disparate people around the world that we can use it to make a big difference. Uh, and we can embed good and doing good. And, you know, we have things like the 1% um, giving sort of stuff and B1G1 and all of these these different ideas and rounding up, I think we were talking about earlier, all of these ways in which we can give small amounts of money, but if we do it at massive enough scale, then we can make enormous differences. And we can give, you know, huge amounts of money to charity or in invest in whatever we want to invest in. So that's really where this book is coming from is, is firstly, how do I get into the world of technology? How do I build platform? And that might be whether you're an entrepreneur, um, whether you're a software developer who thinks, gosh, I know I can write some software, I can make a dollar, you know, I can make the next Flappy Birds or, or whatever it might be. Uh, or whether you're a, a business leader. And there's, you know, we, we have to remember that there's a massive amount of software being written within organizations. And the, the reality of that is that they are essentially internal SaaS people. They're delivering yep. exactly the same requirements, exactly the same outcomes. And they're just, their marketing just happens to be internal rather than external. But they're going through mm -hmm. these similar processes. So it's really a book about if you, are, if you are a business leader, if you are in the business of making software, how do you go about it? How do you make sure it stays alive? Because, yeah, I mean, the, the last thing any business wants is Sheila in accounts to go out and get herself a no-code tool, spend God knows how long knocking up a platform, and then resign. Because she made this thing, it's worked for her for 12 months, and then off she goes. Mm. And Yeah, no one else knows anything Yeah, about it's it. all gone dead, yeah. So we had this, sort of, this bizarre shadow IT kind of ideas. Um, so, you know, we, we, we need... Business leaders need to be as familiar with technology and software creation as they are with with finance. You know, the 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 two are fundamental to business today. So, yeah, it, it's it's really about that. It's it, it's educational as much as anything else. 
and hopefully people will read it and think I know what I'm on about. That would be nice too. That's always a benefit, isn't it? I think the um... yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd enjoy that. <laughs> Does <laughs> Get help, some more it? speaking gigs off the back of it and maybe some work. Yeah? <laughs> no, brilliant. But I think the the notion around um, giving good and some components of that, and I think you're floating some co- concepts around that. I do have to start some good. I'll introduce you to guys from Start Some Good. I don't know if you've met them. Um, they were on our podcast a little while back, and it's a platform oh, which is all. Um, yeah, you know, I know Start Some Good. Oh, you do? Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting his name. Got to be um, I'm trying Tom. to find it. Yes, I think it's a Tom. Yes, I'm trying to find his name yeah, too as Tom. we're chatting. Uh, so you know him. Yeah, I think someone like him would make a lot of sense to collaborate with and um, do a little bit around that because he's a predominantly a SaaS platform which enables connection of businesses and I think capital raising and a few different and promoting their, their good venture product um, in terms of they've got a community component to them or some sort of giving component to them. So I find it fascinating how he started all that up. And um, yeah, I think there's, there's quite Tom a bit. Tom Dawkins, that's his, that's his name. That's his name. Remember now? Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. And he's got the big beard. Um, his photo on LinkedIn the at the time. Very big beard. Very big beard, yes, down to his... Uh, chest <laughs> nice guy though but i think um yeah, mm, he's, yeah a, no, he's very nice tom yeah so in terms of the book when are you expecting to release it uh i'm hoping to finish it off or finish off first draft at the end probably next yeah. two to three weeks okay uh, so mm-hmm. about four, about forty two thousand words in so 65 ish i'm aiming for around that yeah it should be a couple of weeks work or so um, then some poor saps will proofread it. Obviously, you yes. won't, Andy, because it won't be in voice form by then. So um, <laughs> I know you only listen to books rather than read them. Um, so I'll get somebody to to go through it. Then I'll read it again and make some changes. Then I'll read yes. it again. Then it will go to the editor. He or she will trash it because mm-hmm. they do. Then I'll read it again. Yes. So be next year um, sometime. <laughs> Then it'll get. Yeah. Then it'll go back to the editor again. It'll come back typeset, and I'll yeah. read it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, once I've read it about six times, so it would be nice to think it would be um, wrapped up by Christmas, ready to launch in the new year. I would okay. think. Oh, very good. That would. Yeah, it's a process. Isn't it? Right. Yeah, it takes quite a bit of time. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I've put my hand up for the um, business book awards. Okay. This year again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means, okay. and they're coming up any time in the next couple of weeks, so mm-hmm. I may have to read five other books. Brilliant. Um, which, yeah. <laughs> going to keep, keep you nice and busy. <laughs> yeah. Very good. For those playing along at home, I was going to say episode 56, Tom was Hawkins. It? Yes. If anyone wants to go and listen mm-hmm. to that one. Yeah, with the start some good. Yeah, if you want to go have a listen to that in terms of um, how they're framing a platform to deliver good through the community, I think it's it's not only tech products that they are tech business, but um, they help across all different angles. In terms of you, Stu, um, question I always look at: What do you do? What you do? Um, what drives you? What's the passion? What's behind you in terms of um, who you are and why do you get up and write a book, for example? Um. Uh, rather, uh, I kind of feel like I ought to be embarrassed by saying this, but I'm not. Um, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love this industry. And I'm, for whatever reason, I'm a natural educator. I want to give information. I want to share what I know with people. And I, I, I did, as a kid, wanted to be a, um, a teacher. That okay. was my, my dream in life as, yes. a, as a young You are a great a young, storyteller, so it does work. <laughs> a, a young child. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, myself and academia aren't best pals. Hmm. Um, this whole this whole learning thing. And 
yeah. study and doing exams wasn't for me. Yeah. So, you know, whilst I, I was um, in my the top few percent of the county at, a, at age 11, went off to the local grammar school, um, you know, it came to HSC equivalent in the UK and it was like, yeah, yeah. And did I want to go off to university and do a degree? Not really. Not really. <laughs> you know, I yeah. just wanted to go and get my hands dirty. And mm-hmm. you know, I ended up ended up doing a TAFE equivalent course, mm-hmm. sort of vocational training. And I uh, got into an industry that suddenly, when when I got my first job in software, my, fir- my first job was with an insurance company, mm-hmm. waiting for the person in front of me to die, to move forward. It was one of those you know, classic old businesses. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a job in, we happened to be using Lancer at the, at the, the insurance company. And I, because I knew it, I got offered a job with yeah. the vendor at mm-hmm. Lancer. Um, uh, and it was uh, kind of like, you know, day four mm-hmm. sort of thing. And they said, well, you know, what do you think? It's like, oh, oh, you want my opinion? Fuck okay. <laughs> Settle down. Here we go. Uh, and suddenly realized I was very much at home. Yeah. So uh, I, I've gone through this process of, of I, I'm in an industry that I love. I mean, just mm. I can't think of a more exciting place to be spending my time. Mm-hmm. We, we, we are, as I, I'm sure have said before, and certainly to many others, in the middle of the most extraordinary revolution that we've known as a species. You know, we are industry four, whatever number they're calling mm. it this week. Um, you know, we, we have technology that is just evolving at breakneck speed. Quantum it computing is. looks like it's mm. actually going to be a thing, mm. you know, not just some sort of fanciful ideal. Um, uh, uh, and everything we know is going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, if, we, if we look at Australia, we have, what, something between 700 and a million people needed, 700,000 and a million people needed in the IT industry over the next seven or eight years. It's a no, small no number, isn't it? Where are they, really they going to come from? Correct. Yes. Um, mm. Well, we, we, we have something like 4,500 graduates in IT. Per every annum, year. you said. Yeah, I thought that was such a low yeah, number. Which, and, and all yeah. of those go into the business. I mean, a yeah. lot of those will mm. go off and do mm. non-technical roles off the back yeah. of it. So, yeah, we have this huge mm. need for people. We have an industry that is desperate to get moving. Mm-hmm. Happily, we have a new government uh, and a, a new minister in Ed Husick who looks like he's going to be a, a really good advocate for us. Um, so it, it's a really exciting place mm. to be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle Agreed. of career 2.1 at the moment. <laughs> uh, I'm just starting career 2.1, and, I, and I'm, I'm hoping this will keep me going for the next 20 years or so. Mm. Um, oh, definitely but, exciting yeah, place to be, and you've seen the... The amount of um, change that's happened since since COVID, effectively, and it just keeps compi- compounding in terms of change that's getting thrown at us. Um, yeah, what the next ten years holds with the low code, no code angles, and all the bits and pieces around tech, and what's going to change there? It's yeah, a little bit mind boggling to thinking where we might end up. I think it's not even that. It's going to be more of the IoT and the electronic side that'll push things well, I, I a lot IoT faster is a and further. I mean, just the, <laughs> a, 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 if you want to hack into a system, just go look for IoT devices. I mean, the, the least secure nonsense ever on a on a you know on a network. There was uh, there was a, um, um, 
<laughs> there's stories of people hacking through vending machines to get into networks, I believe. Yeah, yes, there's all sorts um, of stuff scanners, like that. Yeah. Um, ultrasound scanners in hospitals. Oh, hacking into Which those. are always plugged into networks because, yep. you know, they have to move these big pictures. But, I mean, they mm -hmm. just... They might just as well have a big sign saying insert here. I mean, they're, they're, they're terrible. Yeah, 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 the, the, yeah. The, I forget the story about it, but that, that was one of the examples that I remember. Mm. Uh, you know, that's how they got in. Mm -hmm. um, as an example in my first book about a guy before Wi-Fi was a thing, before, before all businesses had Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. some guy went out, bought himself a laptop, mm. wanted to just use it, one Wi-Fi, so he went up to the local JB Hi-Fi, wherever it was, and yes. bought a wireless router. Walked in, plugged it into the network with a physical cable. Mm -hmm. Done. Happy days, right? No yeah. problem. I mean, no security. Just opened up the whole of his corporate yeah, network know. to whoever. Everybody. Uh, mm. And it just so happened that somebody went, oh, that's mm. handy, mm -hmm. and, and was sucking data off the network for mm. for weeks. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a scary world. We're, you know, we're... It's the Wild West again. It's kind of like the early days of the yeah, internet. We now we've got the early days. Of I think the uh, the technology space always drives the Wild Wild West, from what you can see. It seems to be driving new um, evolutions of that. The crypto space, the this space, the that space. There's plenty of it going on around us because it's new, right? It's cutting edge. Whatever it's component of it, never, never been, been done before. before. And there's no, things. there's no sort of precedence. There's none as to how it should well, operate. You're, you're... You're just about old enough to remember the early days of internet banking. Mm. Yeah. And people yeah. were petrified. They I mean, were. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, correct. Now everyone does it on their, app, <laughs> on their phone. Yeah. How, yeah. How, how do you survive without it online now? Mm. Well, you can't. I mean, all you don't. Of our local branches There's no closed, branches so. open. Yes, correct. You might yeah, yeah. be lucky to stumble across the branch. <laughs> they've all turned, I was going to say they've all no. turned into Starbucks, but they haven't turned into Starbucks because they didn't do so well. But, no, not in Oz. Um, yeah, they, yeah. they've. They're probably a um, Guzman Gomez or something like that. They're fast food places. They're <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. In terms of um, what's next year and beyond look like for you? I know you are in some roles looking around. I know you consult quite a bit to um, SaaS businesses um, in terms of how they might evolve their businesses, product, etc. Someone wants to reach out and talk about that. How might they get in contact? Uh, well, the easiest place to find me is LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. That's just um, uh, and yeah. as long as you spell my first name correctly, which is S T E W, yes. so the correct spelling of Stuart, as I like to tell everyone. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I, I do have a mediocre website, which is very mediocre. Um, but by far and away, the easiest is LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, or just put me into Google, yeah. and, and I turn up yeah. quite quickly. And who do you like to work with? Because that's always important. Like, who's a, who's a perfect client? Well, you know, it, it, it's evolving. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm increasingly interested now in businesses that want to be different and want to make mm. their mark. Okay, got it. Uh, uh, which is which is back to this idea of embedding good and, and you know mm. an impact at scale. Mm -hmm. Because the, there are there are a lot of SaaS businesses, and this is something, and I don't understand this, and I'm I'm, I'm working my way around this. I don't understand why. If you were, if you are in business and you have the opportunity to speak to a thousands, thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, whether it's through um, directors, customers, or through uh, employees of your clients, mm. if you have that scale available, you have an opportunity. And I'm really interested in businesses that are interested in using that opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
and, and want to be different. And, okay. the, and the funny thing is when, when we talk about this sort of notion of a purposeful business, mm. um, you know, and business is now, you know, being purposeful is, is, is the new gold standard. You know, not so long, but if you had a purpose statement, you did okay. Now you have to be purposeful, uh, which is a whole, a whole other uh, layer of intrigue and, and effort. But it's absolutely paramount for any business today because we've spent the last 20 years or so teaching our younger generation that doing good is a good thing hmm. and looking after the planet is a good thing and helping others is a good thing and all of this kind of idea so it's good for the bottom line to be a purposeful business. And we see this in, in the available stats from public businesses, that those who are purposeful businesses outperform businesses with a purpose statement by a significant margin. And businesses with a purpose statement outperform businesses that don't have one. And hmm. again, by a significant margin. And, and the reason is that people want to work there. And they'll work for less money. Yeah, they try to work. Yeah. If it's a good business and mm -hmm. it provides a decent environment and it does some good, then a lot of the younger generation coming through will work will rather work there for less than some big business that'll pay them well but is is shitty. So I'm I'm very much interested in that space and getting into um, how I can help those businesses really evolve and get their product out there and get their message out there and their model out there so that they can make a real difference. Oh, brilliant, sure. And, and the benefit, the scale thing, of course, is that mm. if you've got 10,000 employees, if they give a dollar a week, that's, that's a pretty quickly. Dollars. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> Does so, that quickly. Yeah, the, the, yeah, very quickly. This, this is stuff that you can do and you can make a big difference. <laughs> And um, if you have that opportunity, it seems to me that you absolutely should. Yeah, I think um, we're only here for a short amount of time and we can grab, grab, grab or um, give a little. And I think it's important for us to, as a society to reflect on what's not working because um, only at big numbers and big capacity can we make a real difference. I think one person with a lot of money behind them can make a difference if they choose to, but um, uh, 10 million people with a dollar behind them can make a big difference. So thinking thinking at scale um, is the way we need to go as a, as a society in these particular areas. Um, and yeah, I think that's yeah, how we drive change. We it, yeah. yeah, and when we look at soft, from, a, from a, yeah. a software point of view, it, mm -hmm. is, it is the common thread that connects us all, and it doesn't matter yes. where, whether we're from... <laughs> You know, in my case, the leafy North Shore and the affluent, relatively affluent suburbs, or whether I'm from mm -hmm. the southwest of Sydney and whatever else, mm. we're you know, scraping along, mm -hmm. that we very often find ourselves using exactly the same things. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're great leveler. Software is a great leveler. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can all be involved. Mm. We can all make a difference. On that note, Stuart, thanks for joining us once again on the Dev Ready Podcast. Always a pleasure uh, just to talk through where you're at and... Um, some of the philosophies behind where you stand these days. So, and looking forward to when the book comes out. So, let us know. We'll share it out to the community and uh, promote it. Promote it. Love the title. Yes, when the book comes out, let us know. We'll talk through some of the detail of Thank uh, you. the name of the book. Kick some sass, I believe it was. Kick so, some yeah, sass. Looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I will read it. I did read your other book, actually. The paperback. I read the thing. So I enjoyed the tonality through it. Yes, I did read it a long time ago. Excellent. Thank uh, you, yes. Andrew. Oh, yeah. Your, your um, personality came right through the book. Cause, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that as flattery and say thank you very much. No, you're welcome, Stuart. No, I appreciate it, mate. But thanks for joining us again, and um, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Magic. Cheers, Stuart. Thank, thank you, guys. You.